0: It's kind of like bad weather we have no choice but we're doing it for others um, and not necessarily ourselves if that's the pivot the flywheel that we're going through then let us be strong enough and cognizant enough that that we can take this lesson and learn from it
1: hello everybody and welcome back to the Rome from home podcast Rome from home is the podcast where we have deep conversations with the icons of the adventure world, the Rome universe. Uh, We get into philosophy, we get into adventure with purpose, we get into some specifics, funny stories, sad stories, great stories, uh, and hopefully bring some benefit to you as we all navigate this really unprecedented time in our community. Today, my co-host and I, Corey Richards. Corey Richards is the National Geographic photographer, alpinist, athlete, storyteller and the king of the conversation. If you've been following Rome from home, you know this. He brings all the heat, all the good questions, uh, and really keeps things interesting. I am along for the ride. My name is Chris Gerard. I'm the founder of Rome and just really pleased to be here with you today and with our guest, very special guest, Conrad Anchor. Conrad Anchor is truly one of the knights of the round table of the Rome universe. Maybe Gowan, if you're familiar with that mythology. And he is a mentor to mentors. This guy is so influential and and so awesome. He's been such a such a guiding light to me in so many ways and so many others, including uh Corey as well. I mean, be kind, be compassionate, be good. He espouses these ideas. He he puts them out there constantly and he's helped so many navigate, in particular loss. Uh, Conrad has had a lot of loss in his life. It's it's well documented. Um, He's very open about it. And we dive into it. Dozens of his friends have been lost to the mountains, the thing that he loves as much as almost anything else. And navigating that through a prism of positivity, as he puts it, and how he's done that. And I think it's very appropriate for the time that we're all living through right now and and in life in general. Um, So we found the conversation to be fascinating. It's great philosophy from the self-described polytheistic, atheist Conrad. Um, lots of great um, moments in the interview for sure. Uh, and also a lot of fun. Wasn't all super heavy. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, it was just a total pleasure to have Conrad on the podcast. And if you enjoy Rome from Home, please subscribe. Uh, please go and leave a rating or a review. And we hope to see you over at, in the community and Romemedia.com uh, We're having a lot of fun over there. And thanks a lot for listening. Appreciate it. All right, welcome. Conrad Anchor.:
0: Yeah. <laughs> Greetings, Cord. Okay, brother. Good to Things see you well.: Great yeah.
1: to see you. Great to see you. This is uh, the Rome from Home podcast, and we are uh, recording episode 10 with Conrad Anchor. Uh, you know, we've been warming up getting our practice so that, you know, we can perform at the highest level. <laughs> on this one with you. <laughs> um, and we still don't know what we're doing. So, But we're getting there and we're really pleased to have you here today. Thanks for spending the time with us. Um, and we are hoping to talk about all sorts of things today. Uh, I know that you and Corey have a, a long friendship in history. So there's going to be plenty, I think, for us to dive into. And really what we're trying to bring to the audience is you know, some emotional connection in this age of physical distancing, and Conrad, you've been kind enough to jump on our live stuff already, and we, we got an amazing legend from the field from you um, a couple weeks ago already, so there might be some storytelling. Um, we might uh, get into into some corners of of uh, how you're, you're navigating these waters today, um, as I'm sure many people are, are curious someone who has the experience that you do high in the mountains in isolation and dealing with, uh, you know, unexpected storms, if you will. Uh, I think that uh, we're really looking forward to hearing um, what you have to say. Now, if anyone out there that pays attention to Rome or Corey or, or what we've been putting out there doesn't know who Conrad Anchor is, um, that would be a surprise. But uh, nonetheless, we do like to introduce our guests this is an ongoing back and forth with Corey and I because I typically do the bio thing. And then uh, we, Corey's like, that's bullshit. Like, let's just <laughs> let him introduce himself. So today, we're going to like really mix it up. We're going to have you introduce yourself, and then Corey will do the bio after that.
0: <laughs> well, here we go. Yeah, now, who are you, Conrad? Tell us. <laughs> Hello. My name is Conrad Anker, and I was born in San Francisco. I'm 57 years old. I... I am a mountain climber. I live in Bozeman, Montana with my wife, Jennifer. I have three grown sons, Max, Sam, and Isaac. I like to climb um, and go skiing. <laughs> um,
2: How many dogs do you guys have right now?
0: We, at the moment, we have two dogs. So okay. We are always a two-dog family, so we stagger our dogs uh, five to seven years apart, and so... And, We're on dog five of our family together with them. So um, it's one way of measuring time is in how many dogs do you have? (laughs) Yeah. Most grateful for the dogs. Every day they get up and they're like, dude, this is like the best ever. You're here all the time.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Last night I thought the world went away, but it's here again and I'm psyched.
0: Yeah. And and there used to be like, we'd go to the movies or we'd go out to dinner and they'd be like, okay, stay in the garage all night. Now it's like, well, they get a cuddle as we binge walks, watch, watch TV and stuff. And so they're, they're like, kind of.
2: yeah. I mean, thank happy. God for pets right now. That's actually a really good point. Um, I've su- I've seen a lot of stuff about people adopting dogs right now, you know, pandemic dogs. And that'll be the, um, that that's, you know, that's, a, that'll be a, a carrot in people's lives for sure. Like, This is the time I adopted a dog.
1: Yeah, I saw Jim Morrison just got a new puppy. Actually, yeah.
2: So, so it's. I just want to like Conrad is typically humble as as always. He's known for that. Um, I know Conrad. uh, I mean, Conrad. It's hard to overstate the um, impact that Conrad has had on my life. Um, we've been on several expeditions together, including to Everest. Um, he wrapped me into the fold of the North Face team uh, almost 10 years ago. Um, we have worked on national geographic assignments together. Conrad is so much more than just a climber and a skier. He's an explorer. Uh, he's an author, at least his name is on books. Um, lots of them now. And, uh, (laughs) he, um, I think to, to the to the point of what's so important right now is Conrad is a leader of community um, and has been a at the helm not only of cutting edge alpinism, which is I think where he really um, came onto this scene, but but at the helm of the certainly the American climbing community as a, a father figure and a guide for uh, I think multiple generations. Um, and I don't think the importance of that can be overstated in this moment specifically, especially when people are clamoring and, 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 and trying to create some semblance of community amidst the space that is necessarily between us all. So um, I know Conrad on a, on a very deep personal level. We've had, a, um, I think, a very informed and informative relationship that has evolved over the years uh into at least on my end something that is uh, as close to um an older brother as as you can get and i appreciate everything he's done you've done for me so um that would be my introduction uh, oh you're
0: most kind cory and yeah it's, it's
2: that's good uh, <laughs> so what are you what are you doing like how are you what are you doing what's going on
0: well um i had a busy winter as, as it usually is uh November, December, um, are always busy, and then guided in Antarctica in January. Did a little bit of fun climbing, and then was busy all the way up until March 11th, and that was um, when I returned from Norway. Great uh, place to to be. I'd spent uh, 12 days there. I'm a avid traveler. It's something that I realize now how much I enjoy it, um, just locally, but also globally, being able to see other cultures and other people. But I uh, had planned on being home at this time, and um, those last two weeks of March and first two weeks of April are some of the best weeks of winter in the Rocky Mountains, so I was really looking forward to getting out there, but um, our state uh, had an early shelter at home, and so the the businesses have been closed, and I'm here. Um, uh, My wife Jennifer and I are at home, and so we've we're not quarantining between each other. I self quarantined for two weeks after I got back from Europe because I returned on the 11th of March. And, um, but then just in a larger picture, kind of doing our bit to minimize that, uh, um, the opportunity for this virus to go from host to host and, and not be, um, I, I could be a, a dormant spreader or whatever, who knows, we just, until we have really accurate testing um, we don't know, and then with testing comes contact tracing and then um with the uh, the vaccine that's kind of on down the line so it seems counterintuitive that when you do something, usually you're doing something that's like I'm writing or I'm working but here what we're being asked to do for the on behalf of society and the government is to do nothing, which is to stay at home and for those of us living here in North america um and in Europe, in the developed world, um, we have it pretty easy. We have the, the luxury of sh- sheltering in a, in a comfortable place. And there might be some challenges here and there with food, but it's still um, vastly different than what it will be for the majority of humanity, which in developing um, nations where there's um, closer contact, closer proximity of people, um, and less uh, methods for staying hygienic that's going to be more of a trial uh, a trial for them and and as things change so that's um before we delve into the podcast it's always good to 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 remember and be aware of everyone else it's there and that um i think that's one of the first steps that we can do those of us that are um fortunate that we realize that so many other people are are going to have challenges much greater than we are
2: Yeah, no, I think it's a good, it's a good moment to, I I really appreciate you voicing that because I think it is easy to get wrapped up in our worlds and all this sucks. I can't go outside, you know, and, and meanwhile, there's uh, a host of the population that is like in in a much, much worse situation than we are. I mean, even within the States, you know, there are places that are far worse off. So it's really good to to give voice to that. I mean, but it does bring up a good question because all of this is relative. So what have your, what have you, I mean, what have, what are the challenges that you've noticed just personally for you? I mean, obviously your life is about movement and, and all of a sudden it's, that's been taken out of it.
0: Yeah. So I've always ascribed to rest and in not You can't water ice climb all year round. It's kind of crazy. So you take a break from it and then you take a little bit of a break from rock climbing and you move around. You're a generalist and I'm not specific to any one discipline of climbing. Um, But I do realize that getting off the deck is so vital to my mental well-being and whether it's at the climbing gym at our 6 a.m. Wednesday morning meetup, which would have happened today. And we have a regular group. We all get there at 6 a.m. and we carpool and we catch up it's my social hour but the getting off the deck and clipping up a sport route at the gym is really important to me and then being outdoors and being someone that's um, hyper situationally aware which is kind of a polite way of saying ADHD Corey, <laughs> you and I, <laughs> I are cut from the same plot that's when we became friends oh yeah but I need that that moment where I can't make a mistake and that is sort of meditation or a defrags the hard drive, so to say, and allows me to think and, and, and be present and not having that is, um, so there's not like on a personal level, but um, yeah, doing pull-ups, um, going for a run, um, doing sit-ups, doing um, break in between work and it, it's, um, yeah, maintaining that, that health and that fitness. Um, I don't think I'm so motivated that I'm going to come out of this stronger. I'll come out a bit rested. Um, I'm sleeping more, which is a great thing. I was like, "Wow, that's kind of neat getting more sleep in," and and um, just not quite as uh, as busy. But um, and we're we're things are doing well. Jenny's an artist, so she's painting and she's um, works from home um, as it is. So it's um, our social interaction. This is we do miss that our Sunday evening uh, dinners where we would uh, have people over. I mean, that was always a tradition at our household where we get to set the table and try out a new recipe and cook and, and do things like that and have friends come over and, and talk about the world, but not being able to do that. And, um, it's one thing to get together in someone's backyard and you social distance <laughs> six feet <and laughs> with masks on and you each grill your own tofu burger or whatever. You're right. doing <laughs> it's just not the same where you're taking turns passing the wine and pouring water and, and getting in there and doing the dishes together and all this, um, I mean, we never really, we would think about social distancing when someone had the cold or you're like, Oh, I'm not going to shake your hand today because I'm, I have a cold and I don't want to pass those contagions on to you so that people would respect that. But, um, and then on a personal level, our family is uh, from Tuolumne County, which is rural California. And both my sister and brother both have restaurants and for them, um, when I, Listen to my work and work that is no longer um, available, and, and sort of that having to uh, tighten the belt, so to say, and, and and be with that. I think about where my brother and sister are. I mean, their restaurants are both um, closed up, and they um they're they need this this the summer season. It's on the road into Yosemite on Highway 120, so they're not having that that income that's coming down the line for them is difficult. Their staff being let go, um, it's the only work they have. They've been able to feed them with the inventory. And then moreover, there's a lot of uh, people that are elderly that their nutrition and their community is at these restaurants and they're about um, 20 minutes drive apart on highway 120. So they, these for elderly people that this is their chance to they meet up and they get together. and And so they're, where are they now? What are they doing? What are these, these locals that That really um, rely on that and so many of our friends are in the restaurant and hospitality business and so much of our life is about restaurant and hospitality and I think CJ when we were together last October and we went to the the electric collective or whatever it is and and had beers yeah yeah had yeah we had beers and then there was the taco truck and we were just we were just kicking it and having a good time and there was there was people milling around and even though we're going to be back to normal, the psychological imprint of what we're going through right now with distancing is going to be, it's going to have a profound effect on how humans interact.
2: Mm. You, I mean, what, what do you notice? Like, I miss hugs. And I know that sounds silly, but I just like miss, it's so awkward when I see John Webb or somebody at the grocery store, a dear friend of mine, and I'm like, yeah. oh, shit, wait how's yeah. it going? You know, stay i mean what is the what do you notice psychologically just in yourself uh, or emotionally in this distancing um
0: well it, um i'm fortunate that my partner and i jenny were here and so and we have our two pets and whatnot but two of our sons live here in bozeman and so um you see them and you wave at them but you don't give them a hug and yeah the same thing it was always a bear hug and just mm-hmm. to give them a i mean there's more information than we get than just looking at someone. So you can, um, yeah, you're like, oh, you've been out skiing. You smell like, you know, on underwear. polypro. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, you know, did you drink a lot of beer last night or something like that? I mean, it's just, there's more information that comes into that. So missing that in, um, and we have an immediate circle of probably um, 10 people or so that we'd see as close friends. And then we have a, a larger circle of people that was acquaintances. And then we have a, within that, our community. and. CJ and Corey, you guys are both in uh, Boulder. So you have the people that you usually see not being able to connect with them along those lines. Um, and then the other uh, thing that I see outdoors when I hike, I've taken it on to myself to be, when I see someone I'm like, hey, how are you doing today? Good day. And, and just being positive and, and putting a smile on and, and and acknowledging someone's presence. And that's kind of a um, a good thing. and, and saying hello to the male person when when they come by or anything like that just sort of being out there and yet some people are um they um they're, they're just a little hesitant to do that they don't want they want this space or they don't want um they don't want to any recognition or a hello or anything like that so it's um
2: do you think that do you think that's fear-based or what, what do you think I don't, I don't you know i get that too i see people and i wave yeah. i'm like you i wave and i smile and and then they and it's like they, they don't respond and I I just don't I don't know where to place it
0: yeah it's um it's completely yeah it's hard to say I mean we were we were at the trailhead with my sons yesterday for a very relaxed ski tour just sort of walking in the woods and, and just a way to get some fresh air and, and to connect with each other but the um at the parking lot, the trailhead, the, um, you know, from people that were like, wanted to check in, see how you're doing and and catch up. And, oh yeah, I remember meeting you a little bit while ago to other people that, that they, they were on their phone with a conversation and just were like, I didn't see anyone else. And that was, they were focused on what they had going. So whether it's fear-based or, um, a self-preservation instinct, uh, is, this is hard to say. Um,
1: there's certainly a, I think everyone's carrying a, um, a, a, a cognitive load, if you will, right now, that is it's distracting too. You know, it's, a, I think it's difficult sometimes to, to have your best behavior in the midst of all of this, um, in terms of, you know, passing others and, uh, trying to say, should I be six feet apart? You know, should I wave? Should I, you know, all of those things. I mean, best behavior is, follow all the social distancing and then also be super friendly and try to find a connection. Um, but you know, you don't know what the last phone call that that individual had. And I mean, there's uh, a, yeah. there's you know, simple way of saying there's a lot of shit going on right now. Right.
2: I mean, that's, that's true of it. That's, I think that's true of, every day. I think, I think one of the cool things about this time is that it's given us an opportunity to actually reassess how we interface with the, the, the normal world and maybe adjust some of that too, when we do return to normalcy, you know, but it's, um, I, I guess that one of the questions that I think people specifically that listen to this podcast would have is you are known for, I mean, essentially living in a, a life in some ways of self-imposed isolation um and i'm sh- sure there's a lot of lessons to be gleaned from that is there anything specific that, that that comes to mind or is that i mean is that a trite question i don't even know at this yeah,
0: point yeah it's a good it's a good question and we um by our own volition our own choice we go out into the mountains and we create hardship and so there's <clears throat> really no reason for anyone to to go climb a mountain or to freeze up there. It's, you know, we're doing it for, um, our path to self-actualization because we've taken care of shelter and food and clothing and the sort of the basic things that we need in life. Those, those needs are met. So we're now on to a, um, more intellectual or physical pursuit. And for those of us that are outdoor, adventurers and athletes and explorers, that means going out and putting yourself into hardship. And when you come away from those moments, you have an appreciation for people that are less fortunate that are in hardship because they have no choice. So um, if you've ever had an unplanned bivouac and it's miserable, then when you walk along the street and you see a homeless person where they're entire existence is a couple shopping bags or a shopping cart or a cardboard box and that they're going to be sleeping out that evening you you have a a little bit of empathy for them and then for on mountain climbing where people are like what what sort of tricks do you have living in a tent (laughs) like (laughs) we're just waiting for the weather to clear and the tent to stop flapping and then once that stops and you go up and you move your camp or you do your next bit of climb and in the um and you're being forced to stay because of the weather, knowing that if you go out, you're going to uh, to harm yourself with it. But probably one of the, the, an idea to keep in mind is that you can't always change your the situation, but you can always change your attitude. And that it might sound trite or just sort of flip or like one of those motivational poster type things. But it when you practice happiness and optimism and you say okay i'm going to to do this it it takes um it it takes effort and it takes practice to do that because it's easy to become negative and into into to be harsh but you have to to say okay i'm going to look at the bright side of things i'm going to try to find something um out of all this that could be going wrong what are what are ways that we can learn from it and that's um having that uh be something that you, you, a a prism through which you structure your day that, okay, I'm not going to have negative thoughts. I'm going to, to be positive. I'm going to try to make the most of this day is um, a good way to start the day out.
2: Has Mm -hmm. that, I mean, has that, has that come from your ability to do that? Has that been, uh, amplified by, by the, the life you've chosen? I mean, admittedly it's you know like you said you go out and you put yourself in some way in harm's way like literal harm's way um is being optimistic a sort of an offshoot of that trajectory
0: yeah it's, it's um being optimistical it uh keeps the it can make up for bad weather right <laughs> so you're like oh yeah it's not that bad but um i've also um i've been on expeditions where um it's a larger group of people and they're not all on the same page and um, that uh, you have some people that they're just whatever it is there it's the negative that they see from within it or or it could be worse and um, it was um, we had a a, a trip in which uh, one of the the gentlemen was just everything was the, the half empty view and everything like this another guy was like this total optimist and those two ended up coming to coming to a conversation one night. And so they were, um, it
2: was (laughs) a conversation.
0: Yeah. 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 And it's, uh, there were, um, they were, it was, it was interesting because there was like the, it was, it was a big group. And so I'm managing a group and I'm trying to get everyone safely to the summit and do things, um, in that capacity. And it's not, um, like if you're going out with your two closest friends and so like when you were with Topo on whatever, yeah. so you didn't have any conversation you needed to have. There wasn't, you guys were already, you'd worked through that mile yeah. beforehand. But then when you're on a, on a, uh, an expedition where you have people coming from different goals so that in different backgrounds, the common goal being ascending a mountain, you can see those, those differences in it. And um, yeah, just the, um, the 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 people that I really find fascinating are the astronauts. I mean, you see them floating in zero g in the space station. <laughs> they you can, they're out there now in in this um, in this times of uncertainty with tips and backgrounds on how to understand the um, um, the isolation and, and and things that they might have learned. And NASA, I mean, they train the astronauts for that. They realize that's going to be an integral part to it, and that if the astronaut doesn't have the mental fortitude going into it and that they come unglued then they're going to put their um the mission which is science um, or whatever they might be doing up there will put it at risk so they put a lot of effort into pre-screening the astronauts going into it so they know that they have um the mental fortitude and to me a lot of it is preparedness and um i think in the sense of being an astronaut where I mean, how unique is that? Even if you train your whole life, it's only going to be a small portion of your life that you're going to be floating around above the Earth's atmosphere, looking down on this wonderful planet as an astronaut. So you are in isolation, but you're going to just savor every moment of that and and just make that experience so rich. And that's contrary to what we're doing now, where the same thing when we're mountain climbing and you unzip the tent after a stormy night and it's clear and you realize you can go up in the morning, you're like, wow, this is what we live for. And those moments form deep weaves in your memory that you can then come and come back to and see them. But when we're now in this isolation where it's kind of like bad weather, we have no choice, but we're doing it for others um, and not necessarily ourselves, that collectively, if we all do it together, then we're doing it for ourselves. It's a little bit more of a stretch.
2: Hmm. Hmm. We've we're we're hitting a point too in this moment where, in this broad moment of of the pandemic, where now, um, you know, the death toll is sort of creeping, and and it's, you know, it's high, and there's a lot of grief right now. And I think there's we asked Jimmy about this too, but I think it's a really important question. Um, there was a a recent article in the New Yorker about. Uh, largely about you but it but it it talked at some length about grief and I think people in the climbing community or adventure sports community have a unique perspective on the loss of friends and so many people right now are experiencing loss and I'm curious what you might have to offer anybody who's listening that's that's going through that process that's in the grief process things that you've learned things that you've taken away because you have had an un i don't want to say unfair but a disproportionate amount of that in your life
0: yeah it's um yeah it's great was a nice um article on working with tim tate who's a friend of mine here in uh, montana and working with uh loss and what goes through that and i'm reminded of it tomorrow is the one year anniversary of uh David Lama and Jess Roskelly and Hans Jorgauer, um in the accident up in Canada. So yeah, we're never far from it. And I think it's part of what we accept as uh, climbers and adventure athletes that um, mortality could be right around the corner. And, but that's what makes these sports special is that when you go out that there is that risk. And so you have to really focus on the moment and be there and, um, to, to have those great experiences. But then when, when loss comes, it's just ever so painful and the, um, understanding what it is. And on my end, there's, um, when I'm faced with an immediacy of something that is, um, very unsettling and very unknown to us, there's the, uh, there's the post traumatic impact to the body. So, um, um the, revisiting Alex Lowe's body um, in 2016 after he'd been gone for um, all those years and to, you know, bringing closure to that, but at the same time, the state of, of, of his corpse and what we went through. And that was deeply unsettling. And then afterwards, there was the um, the weight of being a survivor and that, that if you're an empathetic person, that it's even more so. And I think that we as... Uh, As alpinists, we're empathetic because it's just two of us. And say, Corey, when you and I are climbing together, it's not, we're not challenging other humans. It's not a game. There's not a ball. There's not a court or a a field. And there's not rules and a clock and all this and that. It's like gravity, weather, and our ability to keep ourselves hydrated and fed. And if you don't address those three things you know nutrition weather and and gravity you're going to be dead and so we we come to terms with that and we it makes us a bit more empathetic and perhaps right now on a macro level so global not just region say southwest Montana or the state of Montana or the northern Rockies or the Rockies or the western United States or United States or North America. We keep expanding those circles out. On a global level, there's a, there's a macro um, understanding of loss that's going on. And so when you click on um, the news or you listen to the news and you understand what's going on in New York City and you see these families that have experienced loss, you look at uh, the people that are in the healthcare um, business, and we probably have friends that work in the healthcare business and uh, that community, and how much loss they're going through, and and then you're sort of like, well, gosh it it should be it should be me. I've got a healthier immune system. I could probably get through this all fine. But why is this person um, coming to it? And now is the um, the disease of COVID nineteen is this spreads and it has successive infection levels is going to affect the marginalized communities that don't have the same level of healthcare and sanitation that we have and that are at greater risk with health. And we see that in the news now. And so when you're someone that has all the, 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 all of that, what we talk about, and I'm realize that and I'm aware of it, that there is this empathy for those that don't have it. And so, Addressing that massive amount of 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 loss of other people, where you feel for them, so yeah, there's um, 200,000 people that have died that wouldn't have died normally. I mean, they would have. I mean, people are going to die every day. It's 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 our one guarantee in life, but that it happened. Um, because of this virus in a time frame that is unknown and that it's this a, um, an adversary that we can't see with uh, an unaided, unscientific eye that, that really makes it um, more of a challenge. And that global sense of loss of survivor's guilt, I think is going to be something that is going to come around in the next... Um, three months to 18 months.
1: Can I ask Conrad on that? Like that's really thoughtful. And that's one of the things I've always been so inspired outside of your athletic feats. You know, you're one of the most thoughtful people I interact with in terms of um, sort of taking some of these philosophies and, you know, putting them out beyond just the athletic pursuit. I mean, you sent me this amazing book, you know, rules for a night that is, uh, you know, it's just so thoughtful. It was unprompted. And, and I, and I really lean on that. And so I wonder, you know, continuing that sort of line when you've been through so many of these cycles in the same way that both of you guys as athletes, you know, one of the ways, you know, how to, what to do when, you're up high and the storm comes. Is that you, you've been through the cycles, right? You, you, your mind can do that calculation and say, okay, there's a few options. This is how it feels, right? And so, you know, unfortunately, you know, you've been through, as the article stated, you know, dozens of these cycles of loss. Um, so, what, what do you say to yourself? What is the self talk? I mean, the first one is different than the last one. Um, you know, as you mentioned, David and, and the team, um, one year ago, you've been through that a lot. What do you say to yourself? What is the, what is your reaction as there are so many people out there now that are going to be going through this, that sort of pr- prompts the the movement forward, if you will, the self-talk?
0: Yeah. So, um, when someone within our community loses their lives in the mountains i I'll know what's gonna happen to me the the depression that hits me and the um just the oh, I don't deserve it and this and that and it, and it's just it's it's a it sucks and so I always say you know keep the keep the bear in the den and the wolf at the door and it's sort of like i knowing that I'm gonna be hit with that and I mean right now. I can go out in the garden and I remember where I was gardening when I heard about Uli Steck and his fall on Lotse. So there's um, those memories don't go away. But the first time this struck me when I was age 29, I, um, when my mentor Muggs died on a mountain, Denali, in 1992, it just the, the wheels came off of my whole world. I just hadn't, um, I hadn't experienced anything like that because when you're in your twenties and you're in this sport, you're like, you're invincible. You're like, I'm 28. What color is my cape? (laughs) Where am I going to fly? What am I going to do? And you can do all these things and bad things happen, but it happens to those that are, less less skilled and less I mean it might be an arrogant look, but it's also your mental armor that you bring into these situations that allows you to to pull through whether it's surfing big waves or anything like that and so now, in my late fifties am I'm, I'm both my parents have passed away so i've I've gone through that learning process with it but then uh, there's thirty plus people that I know that have um, died before their time in the mountains, so the way that, uh, that helps me out is to be there for other people so um just prior to the covid um, taking hold in on a global level um, our community had an accident uh, suffered an accident climbing in mexico and um, you know for the the climbing partner that was there with them and in the and uh, loved ones to reach out to them and and to be to have a conversation and it um to pick up the phone or to send a note and to spend time with them and to say, yeah, what you're feeling is probably a, um, it's, it's a normal, it's a normal thing. It's, um, you understand that and then ways in that which you do it. And that by putting myself out there to help out other people, that it brings, um, a sense of solace and a comfort to myself. And that's, um, one of the ways that, uh, that that can be out there and so um just uh yeah finding those it, ways to to help out.
1: it helps you to 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 bring that empathy. I mean that actually is helping you bring the empathy to others. By being there for others essentially you're serving your yourself. Yeah in a in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um maybe on a on a, a follow up on that it and you know, sort of a a big question <laughs> is, uh, you know, all these influences, um, you know, what is your view of the universe?
0: That is a
2: big question. <laughs>
0: well, yeah. So um, I'm a, uh, uh, how would I say, I'm a polytheistic atheist. <laughs> so this right here, that's gravity. So I just dropped a pencil into my palm. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what <laughs> runs this universe. I mean, it's the whole universe and the Big Bang and the cosmos and everything like that. So very much a rationalist on those lines. Um, and then all of the world's religious uh, beliefs, um, they were all founded along a similar lines. One was to answer the question of the cosmos. Um, We have science now and um, telescopes and microscopes and we're better understanding our place in the physical universe. And so that part of it. And then the other part, in addition to explaining the universe was a social contract as people um, went, um, coalesced into larger groups of people and that religion was a way to um, create a social contract and understanding and build a sense of community. And so the polytheism of that is um, They're all the, the foundation of the world's religions is do unto others as they would do unto you and that's I think we can all live with that and see the um, The benefit to it and that was um, the foundation of, of of all the world's um, Religions and, and beliefs and along those lines and so but enjoying um, if I'm in Europe visiting a cathedral, if I'm in uh, Nepal visiting a monastery, um, and if I'm in Pakistan um, being close to people of of Islam, visiting the um, the mosque, and 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 being there, and and being in in a most respectful mind space, and adhering to um, whatever it might be from washing your feet before you go in there or um, taking your hat off or, um, and, and being on the side, not being making it about yourself, but just observing and taking in centuries of, of knowledge and belief with that. And um, so there's um, yeah, that I guess if that's the,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, that's great. It that reminds me a lot of our president's point of view um, of the universe, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a bad joke um
0: yeah, yeah. well he's the Just center, center of it <laughs> right well that's it that's what made yeah. me
1: think of it is you coming in with the the attitude of others and you know us living through a, a different experience there but um thank you for answering that um i completely stole that question from a friend but i i think it's a good one so cheer.
2: yeah no it, it's it, it, it well because it can go in so many different directions it's uh it's i mean it, it's sort of yeah it opens up a lot of doors i i'm curious also about um you know this is a topic that i've heard you speak about before uh, a few years ago you had a heart attack and that that radically shifted the foundations of i i i would imagine your identity and your your whole life because it 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 sort of moves you in a new direction um you've spoken about optimism, but I also think that that shift in identity is applicable here in this moment as well. A lot, this is a radical shift for people and they're going to go in a new direction. Is there anything that that, that hits you from that experience that you think is applicable right now?
0: Yeah, it's um great question. And, and it's always good to talk about those things and understand them to a more degree. So yeah, the 16th of November, 2016, I um, had a heart attack at about 5,900 meters on a peak in Nepal. And um, my partner, David Lama, realized it right away. And so we rappelled off the climb and went through the icefall and hitchhiked to ride on a helicopter. And I was able to have an angioplasty, uh, which is a stent. And that was put into my left anterior descending artery. So, had that not happened, and had Doctor Yadav Bhatta not been in Kathmandu at that time, I probably would have perished. And um, but um, it was quite fortunate to it. And some of the things I think about it was um, at age forty nine, I was it was I was I had a great run. I climbed Meru and climbed Everest and. Um, ski Denali. And, and then it was like, yeah, I should have just been like, hey, that's good and, and rolled with it. But I was still hungry for these Himalayan um, Granite Peaks, the six to seven thousand meter peaks, that kind of um, that are granite and a very specific type of climbing um, that that I was after and, and wanting to do this peak with David um, An unclimbed peak, highest unclimbed peak in Nepal is just kind of a being driven to that. And then, um, realizing in hindsight that I was in over where I should have been, I should have, I should have woken up a little bit earlier. And I think in a metaphorical sense where our planet is now that all of a sudden we should have been listening to the earth scientists and being more aware of, uh, climate change, um, overpopulation, um, Uh, how this uh, disease went from um, the wild um, to a host animal to humans and and that spillover that's happening. All these things that we should have heeded the warning a little bit earlier and then all of a sudden you get the setback. So in my case, yeah, I should have listened um, earlier to saying, yeah, you don't need to be still doing those type of climbs, just chill a little bit and then... um, but still going after it and and trying it and then getting my ass handed to me in a form of a heart attack. And so, yeah, coming back from it was um, a, um, uh, was a, was a, a real humbling moment and that I survived it and everything like that. But it also reinforced my view that life is a linear experience and it's not necessarily this circle or anything like that, that each day is um, going to be your best day and that you're going to do something different and and unique in that. And um, the uh, one of my favorite scenes in a, in a popular culture movie in this Napoleon Dynamite where the guy's in this like 1970s van and, you know, he's talking to the other youngster that's in high school. He's like, yeah, there I was. And I threw the touchdown past the, the football game and it's sort of like this emblematic of this guy that hasn't left that one moment in his life.
2: And I could have so, gone pro. Go, I could have gone pro. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> should have gone pro.
0: Yeah. And so there's, you know, that, that um i will have to rewatch that movie just to make sure that I have it uh, culturally. Yeah. Appropriate. Yeah. But the, I'm not going to like say, okay, I didn't get that or I didn't. I didn't climb that mountain that I wanted to or anything like this, or I should, I should have gotten that. I mean, you have all these near misses with it and rather than being kind of holding that grudge and letting it eat away at you, it's more like um, that I'm gonna find something new in life and and life is gonna be different, but it's still gonna be just as uh, as meaningful and, and, and special. And, and part of that is also um, an internal thing. And that, I mean, many of us, um, go through this. And that um, when you're upset about something, and um, you're holding a grudge with someone or some people or someone like that, it's not, it's just eating you up alive, because it's not, it's not like this piece of glass, or it's not an inanimate thing. It's something that's in your mind that's Mm -hmm. limiting you from doing that. And that, um, that if you, let it go and and you are the one of forgiveness and it's just that much um that much better and so part of that on a cultural macro level is that who are we trying to blame for what happened and yeah it happened and and it's global and we need to work together as humanity to to overcome this and that um trying to assign blame and and revert to um nationalism and say well it's us against them or this or that, that everyone's going to be affected. And at the end of the day, that we're all humans in this. And that if we do have a, um, the silver lining, is the, the proverbial silver lining, there is some goodness that comes from it, is that we as a species are more empathetic to other humans and we're more together. And that we've, um, we had this moment where we went through it to bring us together. And it's going to be a challenge because they're going to be the people that are going to be isolationist and protectionist and, and they, they don't want, they're going to be even more so bunkering up and, and being um, kind of keeping things for themselves. And there's other people that are going to be like three of us in this phone call that we want to be, okay, we learned from this similar to what happened with my heart attack that, that yeah, I'm not going to go through life um, holding those things into my, into my heart that I'm going to let them go. And that we're going to become better for it. And if that's the pivot, the flywheel that we're going through, then let us be strong enough and cognizant enough that that we can take this lesson and learn from it.
2: I mean, I think I think you and I, on a personal level, have both been through, in at least in I, I can speak for that in my relationship with you. I, you know, we've we've had to to overcome hurdles of just forgiveness and like shit. Yeah. You know, like I just love you. I you know, and and and. Whatever happened, happened. And I'm sorry, you know.
0: Yeah. You no, know? and exactly. And there's, um, yeah, there's. I, I, I've, um, yeah, to to let things go is, is is the right thing. I appreciate that, Corey, and, and we're better for it. And it's, you um, know, at the time you think like, oh yeah, it was really good, and it, it's just not where it, um, you know, you feel slighted or or something like that. But it's just um, to. To come through it, and I think that's what we, as alpinists, we realize how precious life is because it can be taken away. And so, when you lose a good friend, you're like, "Damn, that is life isn't fair," or anything like that. And that when you go through hardship, you have empathy for other people, and that's where um, we're great leaders. have all gone through some transformative rite of passage that involved hardship that gave them empathy and understanding to other people and the leaders that haven't gone through that and if you are a person of station and wealth and you get sent to summer camp or you get to sent to split wood or you have these um a scouting experience or whatever it is that that kind of impacts you with that but the um that in some process you go through it and that um that is uh one of the things that creates a good leader is that they've gone through something that is transformative for them. And then through that, they have greater understanding and empathy for other humans.
2: You bring up, I mean, all of the, it's, I, you know, you're, you're hitting in like these, uh, these big universal truths that i think everybody can really relate to right now a because we have the time to digest and think but b because we're all a little blown wide open and you made a comment just you know a few minutes ago about you should have you should have gotten the message sooner and i wonder if you could sit like how would you because then you, you you segue directly into a beautiful message that we need to listen more. We need to be more aware of what's happening. We need to be, we need to wake up. So if you were speaking to yourself, if you now were speaking to yourself then, as if, you know, you know what is the message? How do you communicate to, to, to wake up, to listen more, to not go down the road of keep pushing until it's either, you know, until you die or... Or until you have a near miss, and I, I mean, I guess, and and how do you translate that?
0: Yeah, well, on a personal level, I there in hindsight, it had markers that were telling me that it was. I mean, I was trying to do a, a climb a a seven thousand meter peak, twenty one days door to door, and just like, okay, I got to fly in, I got to make my flight to Lukla, I'm going to double stage that hike, I'm going to meet the porters there, we're going to have four days to acclimatize. This is going to be our summit. I mean, it's just like looking at a calendar and and how hard I was pushing it. And now that we have this societally imposed moment of rest that we learn from it. And by the same measure, I mean, we, we, we know what viruses are, and we know their mutations and all the virus wants to do is replicate and live. It's the same thing. Yeah. Some 0.4 billion people on this planet are doing. And yeah, we just have better tools and larger brains to do it. And the virus is just incredibly, um, it's just it's just nature along those lines, but we had with the uh with the h1 n one with uh, SARS with Ebola I mean we kept being given um, warning that these things could happen and that we should have um, we should be mindful for it and you know going back five years we had um, after the last scare, which was uh, luckily we society mitigated it and attended to it in a in a expedient manner. And so it became less of a threat to people. Had it been more of a threat like it is now, then it then that's the danger. And that's where we're where we are today on the fifteenth of April. I mean, it's tax day, what all citizens of the United States I mean, government's not gonna get any money. I mean, I don't mind paying my taxes. I'm very fortunate to live in this wonderful nation. And of course we'd like it to see it be spent in different ways, but um that's part of our social contract. Um, with that, but the that we can learn from um, learn from that anyway. I got off onto a tangent there. Oh, that's it's right.
1: It's uh, <laughs> a good one. It's a good tangent.
2: I mean, I just, I'm just, I, you know, it's again, it's, it's like, how do we, t- how do we talk to our younger selves? Because we are still, we're always this version of ourselves. So how, what do we say right now? That's like just slow, you know, David Kwaman made a good point. He's like, to your point, this doesn't matter that it came from a wet market in China. That's actually just a layover on its pathway to humanity, right? That is to, to, to place blame there is missing the point. So what is the sentiment that we can pass on to ourselves and to others? Um, like, you know, pump the brakes. Like, how do we, you know, how do we phrase that to our better selves?
0: yeah and one of the the takeaways from this is is that um look how less pollution there is in the in the sky I mean, right there's places in india that they're 120 miles away from the himalayas and they've never seen the mountains and now for the <laughs> first time <laughs> you can see the mountains and then, so yeah. there's all these uh there's dolphins in venice and things like that so mm-hmm. they're the the wake-up call for climate awareness and where we are as humans and and on this trajectory is, is really um, yeah, it's unprecedented. I mean, it's unlike anything in, in our lifetime. And um, yeah, the 2007, 2008 financial collapse, and it was kind of distant. I mean, it, it had to do with mortgage and, and and houses and, and stuff that was, that was sort of abstract to me. It's not, my climbing rope and a cliff and my partner and my mm-hmm. vehicle. I mean, those things I can relate to. But now it's, it's human loss and it's going to far out, um, far bigger than what anything we've experienced. And it's going to be the, the economic effect of It's going to be profound and that's going to affect multiples of lives. And that brings into question assigning a dollar value to life. And that's kind of where we are right now this mid-April is like do we open the country up and get back to business and commerce Um, and at what cost is it um, is it and how is it going to affect human life and that's a real I mean it's a philosophical question um, and that depending on one's world view and how you how you stand with it and how you value things has has profound questions but we already see it straining um, people and causing further distancing and further um, not physical distancing, but divisions within our society and culture.
2: As an optimist, do you think we're going to heed the call?
0: Yeah. <laughs> the optimists <laughs> are going to <laughs> heed the call. Those of us that are like, yeah, this is, life is good. They're going to be out there. And if we can convince a few of the pessimists to come over and camp out with us and, and enjoy the sunrise and sunset every day and, and, and be with it or um, the other ones that are, that are going to be there, there, Yeah. So it's a tough question to ask and um, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, it's, to listen to this in five years. I can't right, wait yeah. to see what we've right. gone through in five years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's uh, the silver lining conversation is a very difficult one to have in the midst of the the law, the human loss of life and the healthcare workers on the front line i mean all you have to do is you know just look at anything that's happening in new york with the healthcare workers there and asking for more healthcare workers to come in and help i mean they're in the midst of a real like war at the moment and then on the flip side of that the conversation around climate change and yeah, i just saw a post there's a river otter here in boulder like mm-hmm. never been seen right you know Like the earth itself is taking a breath, which is is amazing. I mean, in the
0: midst of all of this, um, you know, but- There's a big butt there, you know, and how quick it's done it. Yeah, yeah. So one of our friends uh, works in Yosemite and is essential worker, and she lives in the valley, and so she's been riding her bike around and just like sharing these virtual tours of the animals everywhere.
1: This is like a Disney cartoon, (laughs) like you know, like birds on people's arms and stuff. Like I mean, the the way that that uh, yeah, the wildlife is. I mean, even in my neighborhood in Boulder, I, I I don't know if I'm imagining it or, I mean, the bird life and the way that it, it seems like the wildlife is reacting, you know, because this dominant species has just gone to ground, you know, and is like, here you go, have the earth back.
2: But it's also because we are... there is some of that happening absolutely but it's also because we're living in a in a slower quieter way that allows us to actually see the world around us in a new way which um you know is a is a gift and uh but i i think you make a good point chris that like um you know silver linings it's so it's so hard to have the silver lining conversation right now because as you well know conrad when when you're amidst the grief of loss or whatever it is you, the last thing that resonates is at least this or at, you know that's not that's not helpful in in the moment it's it's always just we're with you and and i'm here to i'm here to help shoulder or or carry some of that pain however i can but i think you're absolutely right that there is there is an upside to this um, and when we can celebrate it, it's going to be really beautiful. So.
1: Indeed. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap for today. Uh, Conrad I would love to have you back on it. This whole, uh, idea of a Rome from home or Rome podcast really was something that Corey and I were actually talking about before all this, we had a fancy studio and we're going to do some, you know, deeper conversations. So Uh, We hope to have you back on at some other point, but thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Really, really appreciate the time.
0: Yeah. We'll um, we'll get together and we'll have a, um, you know, let's hope by September, October that we can get outdoors and um, see our friends again.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Let's do some ice climbing this winter. I need some training miles with Conrad. (laughs) Yeah. No. And then, yeah, they're
0: hopefully you're, you're maintaining your fitness to return to Everest, Corey. And,
2: yeah we're topo and i have been actually it's really funny we've been just pinned during this you know um dude, dude, i've been trying to help him mirror my workouts and um i actually honestly dude it's so weird now that i'm not uh officially like sponsored by i'm I'm so much more dedicated to the sport I'm so much more of an athlete now that now that i've ha- had the ability and the humble pie served in the way that you know you talk so eloquently about like um, th- now that the identity's sort of withdrawn from it, I just fucking like I love working out and working towards it. It's just like I'm so fucking psyched. Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> it's fun.
0: Well, but, when you uh, you have to let go of the pursuit, and then the pursuit will then come to you. So yeah, uh, it's,
2: it's it's been fun to the
0: story about the bear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> think about that. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. been funded
2: to do like, you know, know that Topo's doing burpees and I'm doing burpees at the same time in Ecuador, you know? So it's been good.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> we are. Well, thanks listeners. Uh, CJ, Corey, thanks for the invitation. And we'll, um, we'll touch base and we'll connect again.
2: Sounds good, Let's brother. Go. Thanks a lot. Sending love.
0: Be yep. well up there. All the
1: that was Conrad Anchor on Rome From Home. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Appreciate the community and you stopping by to hear what we have to say. I hope you're enjoying it. If you do enjoy it, please subscribe, go by, drop a rating or review, and check us out over at roammedia.com. We've got a whole new online community, like-minded people. Adventure with purpose is our mantra and our mission. It's what gets us up in the morning every day to bring you content, inspiration, education and enable uh, a life of adventure with purpose so if you dig what we're doing we'd love to see you over there and come on back for another roam from home episode twice a week we're bringing it to you every week myself and Corey Richards appreciate it thanks a lot bye